Hello, my loves. It's Lala Kent. With Randall. And I am on the road again, so we're basically doing this podcast in separate areas of the nation. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> not so fun. Not so fun, babe, when you're not here sitting next to me. But we're, but I will tell you, and I have to just kick it off because the excitement is overwhelming. In all of the podcasts, and I don't know how many, so 20-something, this is by far our biggest guest in the history of our podcast. The biggest movie star we have ever had come through these doors. And yes, I'm not a legend, a legend. Tell him, baby, keep it, keep pumping it up before we tell him. Who He's it is. an icon. He's a freaking icon. I mean, like, no matter when you were born, how old you are, you know who this dude is. The biggest, the biggest. He has more successful franchises, more over 2.7 billion lifetime box office. We have none other coming on today for Give Them Lala with Randall. Who would have ever thought? Sylvester Stallone, a.k.a. Rocky Balboa. <laughs> it's too good. Too good. When too- you told me when you told me that he committed and he was down to do the podcast, I won't lie, Randall. I was like. OMG, Rand, you're going to have to like carry this. I'm freaking out. I'm nervous. Like, I only talk to Bravo celebrities. <laughs> I'm freaking out. <laughs> okay, first of all, not true, but but I I know you're freaking out because you actually called me and I'm going to I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. You called me yesterday and said, "Babe, I just want you to know something. Um when Sylvester Stallone is on, I'm going to just kind of let you lead the way." First of all, I haven't led the way in this relationship in four years, so I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, I knew you well, were Well, then you overwhelmed. should take advantage of this moment. Um, I want to tell you something really interesting. I was talking to I, – I call him Sly. So I was talking to Sly because I've done movies with him. I, I was talking to Sly earlier today, and I didn't know this, but he has never done a podcast before. So this is his first podcast ever. So I am blown away by how kind he is being to do this for us. Oh my gosh. And can I tell you something that's like you probably won't care about, but I was trolling the gram. <laughs> no, probably not. I was not. trolling. No, you won't. I was trolling the gram and I was looking at this girl's page. Her name is uh, Brielle Beerman. She's Kim Zolciak Beerman's daughter, right? Okay. Kim Zolciak is a Bravo celebrity. She was on Housewives of Atlanta. So I'm looking at Brielle's page and she's chilling at catch with. Sistine Stallone, their homies. So I think Sly may be a little closer to the Bravo fam. That he even than knows. That he even knows. Exactly. Yes. Well, let me tell you, that is great tea. I, I've learned that word, so I can own it now. <laughs> <laughs> Producer Tim sitting here. Tim, I mean, did you ever think in our entire old age that we'd ever be dropping the word tea? I still haven't dropped it. It just doesn't like feel good coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Tim is going to drop it soon. I have a feeling he's going to be. I mean, you guys don't need to spill the tea. You just need to sip up on, you know, my my piping hot English breakfast. Okay, this is just going to another level. The funny thing is Tim's wife is English. So the only tea he knows about is drinking it at high noon or whatever he drinks. With with your pinkies up. The the (laughs) afternoon tea hour. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I'm very excited. You know, listen, I, I started working with Sly. Uh, my partner, George, and I started working with Sly many years ago, 
and it's just such an honor. He is even when I walk onto the set. And I'm not going to tell him this to his face because I'm too embarrassed, but he'll hear this, I'm sure now. Um, but every time I meet with him on a movie, discuss a script, go to his house to talk about a film, or walk onto the set and see him, it's still like holy shit! It's Sylvester Stallone. So I'm, right. I'm never going to say that and don't wrap me out, but. It's pretty exciting, and I'm 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 pretty uh, I'm a little nervous now, to be honest. I haven't been nervous this no, entire podcast. No, Randall, Randall, my stomach <laughs> is in freaking knots. Oh, like shit. he's a legend, and I'm not kidding. Like if I fall silent, know that I'm still breathing. I'm just <laughs> trying to regain my composure. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. And 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 we'll talk about Sistine when we get uh, Sly on the phone. One of his daughters who uh, is amazing and an actress and who actually was in my first movie that I directed, Midnight and Switchgrass. So that's a really cool thing. And I'll I'll tell Sly when we get on, I'll tell that story about when he called me. I'll never forget that Um, because I didn't even call Sly to ask his permission to put his daughter in the movie. His age, her agent called me and said, are you open to Sistine Stallone? And we're like, of course. And we looked at her tape and she auditioned. She read and we watched the tape and we cast her and she flew out. I never had a conversation with Sly. I think I was too scared. I thought he would just be like, you know, fuck off. My daughter's not doing your movie. But it, but it wasn't like that. Um, it was the opposite. And she got out there and she was a total pro. And clearly the lineage, you know, lives on through her. So that's going to be a fun thing. So I, I'm really pumped up. I don't even know where to go. So, I'm, you know, and, and your fans sometimes say I talk too much. I talk over you. So I'm going to for three minutes. I'm going to shut up and I want you law to run this podcast so that I can no. prove that, no so I so I can prove that I can be quiet. Go. Go lock go. Okay. So let's talk, we're we're going to get down on into the nitty-gritty. Randall, you're going to have to not be totally silent because we're going to go there right now with how my mother thinks. Can oh, we no. go there? Oh, we can go there, but I mean, I still want to have a future mother-in-law. So uh No, I know. Okay, so Randall and <laughs> I, like my, my mom, my mom does this thing oh, where yeah. like she she's very giving. She you know she she works for the Humane Society of Utah. Before that, she was working with special needs. Like plug, she's just plug. a giver. Yeah. Yes, Humane Society of Utah. If you don't know where to donate your money, <laughs> that's where you should give it to. And so, my mom recently feels that she has the kindest heart because she volunteers things, but she's volunteering my services now. <laughs> yes. and th- People don't know <laughs> and that so about when, your mom. Your, mo- I, your mom, yes. your mom, I will say it kindly because I need your mom in my corner, but your mom likes to step and volunteer you without your permission. And, right. Yes. So, yes. So my friend was getting married, and oh Randall and I bought god, these you're doing speakers. This. Oh <laughs> my god! Oh, wait, wait, La, wait, La, real quick. What? I'm gonna shut up, but I just you have big balls, so I'm gonna be quiet. Okay, just listen. Just listen. Okay, so Rand and I bought these speakers. They were like a hundred bucks each. We bought two for the backyard, right? Okay, so my friend's getting married, <laughs> and my mom then says, like, she calls me and she's like, hey. They're, they're going to still get married. It was like COVID. They're going to get married like outside. It's going to be amazing. I was thinking that you could bring your speakers. And when I told her that's not happening, I am not hauling speakers onto a freaking plane. These are not small speakers. They're huge. When I shut her down, which when I shut her down, she gets all moody. And so I told her, I was like, it's not happening, mom. And she 
then tells me, she goes, I'm just nicer than you are. Like, I just like to help people. I'm like, bro, no, this isn't you helping anybody. This is you volunteering me to help someone. Like, you bring speakers or you go to Target and buy speakers. Like, what the fuck, Ma? No, not only did you <laughs> shut, no, you shut her down. And I said, but don't worry, she's coming again for a second ask. And then you said, Mom, it's not happening. These speakers no, aren't leaving. No, no, our no. House. Randall, remember, I said to you after we had the conversation, I was like, she's going to hit me back and say, I'll carry the speakers yes. on the plane. And she did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> I mean, I said to her, I made a joke when we were in Florida last week. I said, Lisa, why don't you just dig up our pool and fly it out to Texas and you can put the pool in the backyard? Dude, the woman thinks she's Mother Teresa, but she's like volunteering me to like be the mother. The next time somebody asks me to like help them move, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my my wife will go do that for you. You're welcome. Yeah. And then, then, Tim, when your wife says no, you can tell her I'm just nicer than you. Yeah, I'm so much more generous than you. Uh, Lisa Burning. Oh, Lisa. Lisa Lisa's going to slaughter us. Wait, She's no, be, not me. So not me. I want to tell you, Lisa, I am the biggest supporter of the Humane Society of Utah. You know that financially and emotionally. So please go for your daughter on this one. I had nothing to do with this story. I, I just had to share that story because it, it was epic. Laugh. It was epic. All right. Let me tell you something. Great job. Your fans cannot get mad at me now for cutting you off. And I shut up for two minutes and now I'm ready to talk. Because I don't have a platform to talk. Uh, I am not on a TV show. I'm just Randall, the movie producer. Uh, I'm so I miss you so bad, babe. I miss you too, baby. All right, let's get let's get fly on this line. Let's go to break. Let's go to break. Take a quick break, and we're gonna come back with Rocky Balboa. We are back with the infamous legend. I sound like an outlaw. You, you're just like I was telling Rand. No matter who you are, when you were born, where you come from, you know who Sly is. And so I'm, I'm shooting bricks. The fact that we have you on, I won't even lie. Well, vice versa. I'm, I'm nervous around you guys. Oh, come on. Oh, that's sweet, Sly. No, you guys just ooze talent here, and your show is fantastic. <laughs> and you know, oh, it's not easy you. to do what you do. So, I'm—I'll uh, be as cooperative as I can. Thank you. And I got to tell you something. I, you know, when we started this slide, you know, we got together, Lala and I, to do this. And I've never been in front of the camera, and nor does anybody want to see my face in front of the camera. But, <laughs> no, <not> but, <laughs> but anyway, this has been a lot of fun. And honestly, first of all, thank you for doing this you're obviously the biggest sure. guest uh we've ever had um i just want to oh, thank you i just want to jump in real quick and i want to tell people because i don't know if everybody knows this but i want to get into the rocky story which i know a little bit about you wrote rocky in 1975 at age 29 over the course of three days one of the most right. legendary franchises that you went on to be nominated for three oscars you won a golden globe um, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's unbelievable. Can you just share kind of how it started for you to become, you know, who you are? Okay. Uh, well, I was a knock around actor in New York, and I, I wasn't getting anywhere because uh, people thought I had an affectation with my voice. Uh, it was very, very deep, and I slurred a great deal because of uh, an accident I had uh, during birth, which is a forcep accident. That sort of numbed uh, my vocal cords. So I, no matter what, I always sound like I'm half underwater. You know what I mean? So 
Wow, I, I didn't know that. Inside. Oh yeah, I sound to me inside. I sound like uh, you know a Daniel Day Lewis, or I sound <laughs> you know. But when it comes out, I sound like a, like a mafia pole bearer. You know what I mean? Like, well, how are you doing? How are you doing? I should be hot. Well, you know the thing is, I finally realized that I'm never going to get cast in uh, anything unless perhaps I sort of do it myself. I realized the jig was up in 1970 when I couldn't even get an extra part in The Godfather. I went, oh, look, I'll be in the wedding scene. I said, I'll stand behind the cake, anything. <laughs> I said, wow, this is really not looking good. So that's when I started to write and I had never written before, but I took a job as an usher at night, literally to just record. I had a little recorder, you know, movies like MASH and other other vehicles. And I go home and I listen to the dialogue. And then I started to write new dialogue for the same movie, kind of like as an exercise. Well, anyway, years move on. Nothing happens. And I go to Hollywood and I, um, I get some half-baked agent and i just have an open audition and and i don't even know how i got it i think a guy named gene kirkwood got it for me for shot off and winkler and they didn't want to really see me but i i think it was a favor everyone was looking at their cufflinks at their watch and you know what I mean? that thing it's the truth so they said oh you know thanks for coming i go thanks and on the way out, for some reason, I said, I don't know if it matters, but I write a little bit. And they go, okay, sure. Well, if you got anything, just let me know. And that's it. So I went, wow, the door's open, but wow. I don't have anything. And that's when I went home and formulated Rocky right away. I said, I need something that will relate to everybody, but also it's perfect for who I am, my slurry voice, the way I look, the way I sound. Right. And that's when I came up with this half-baked idea of Rocky. And I started to borrow from other films, like on the waterfront, Mean Streets, this and that, that kind of, I said, you know, that kind of vibe sort of works. And I just sat down, I started write and write and write. And about three and a half days later, I had uh, about a 95-page script. I'm not saying it was, you know, probably, you know, Randall maybe. 20% was good, but it was done. Wow. It was done. In, wait, and, wait, Sly, you did that in three days? Yeah, three and a half days. That's unbelievable. But then again, it wasn't... It wasn't It wasn't know, the shooting script, but it was... No, no, it wasn't. But see, I'm a big believer that uh, I'd rather get something done, and if it's a little sloppy, I can fix it. The main thing is, while you're in that mood, while you're in that fever, yeah. go for it and repair it later. Rather right. than... Some, yeah, you know, some, some actors are painters, We'll spend a year on something. I'm going, uh, how do you stay passionate for a year? You don't. No. You don't. Tough. Then it becomes clinical. Then you become uh, sort of, uh, you get, you start to get, you doubt yourself. You question yourself. Is this page good? Is that page good? So I'm, I'm a believer in just jumping head first into something and I'll fix the mistakes later. I'll get, I'll get stitched up later. I'll put my arm in a cast later. <laughs> but at least it's done. Right. 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 Now what happens after, after this? Because, well, I mean, this is unbelievable. I, I walk in there. I walk in there and I say, here's his screenplay. And they went, hmm, not bad, not bad, not bad. Um, we'd like to, you know, we'll run with it. This, this is not a bad story. It's kind of derivative, but we'll, we'll, 
And I said, well, I want to be in it. They go, <laughs> <laughs> what? How was that reaction? <laughs> Why don't you try comedy? Really? <laughs> like, like who knows you? Oh, no one. And, and they were pretty blunt. They said, tell you the truth. You have a speech impediment. We, we don't, we're going to tell you right now. It's hard to understand you. So <laughs> and I go, he's punchy anyway. So, what and they go they didn't think that was funny so they offered a certain <laughs> amount of money and i was broke i mean when i tell you it was you know it's a, one of those things where you had a crossroad guys and you go this is it you either take a little bit of money now or you just go all in wow so it went this 20 grand was the writer's guild minimum and then i said no they, they were kind of flabbergasted anyway cut to a long story short they said look we got guys like Burt Reynolds and Ryan O'Neill, Robert Redford, Jimmy Kahn. <laughs> no, we had all these physical types back then. Yeah. There was a real plethora. There was an abundance of them as opposed to today. Right. And they said, why don't you just take a hundred grand? So I went home to my wife said a hundred grand. And she like almost got a nosebleed. She goes, cool. <laughs> I go, but do you understand? <laughs> That's going to be gone and we're going to be here and I'm going to be really bitter really bitter i just know I, i'm gonna be a, i i just don't have the mentality to realize i sold out and if the movie god forbid became a hit then i'm gonna be useless to you to me to society i just know it i'm just gonna be a shell of a man i just want to say one thing slight the fact that you had the foresight or you know to be able to see that because 99 percent of the world that kind of money back then would be half yeah. a million dollars today and if you're broke 99% of the world's taking that deal. So the fact that you believed in yourself on the long play is is unbelievable. I mean, it's such a oh, lesson. You know, you. But, but okay, so now what happens? So it goes up. It goes up to 200 grand. <laughs> and now my agent is going, seriously, we're it's like, this is a lot of money. I said, but it's not. I'm telling you, I can't ever live with myself. If I, I'm telling you. And then it went to three hundred and sixty thousand oh, dollars. Now God. that that's this is now the studio is going. What is this like a game? He's not worth it. This movie isn't worth it. So they're getting very angry at the producers. Everyone hates everybody now. And <laughs> so finally, finally they go. You know what? We're gonna we'll 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 do this movie. We'll pay him twenty grand. He gets nothing. He gets three hundred sixty. $360 a week before taxes. Oh and God. after five days, if we don't like him, we're firing him. And they didn't even know who I was. They, they go, who is Stallone? Can we see a picture of him? <laughs> so what they did is they sent over the, uh, a, a print of Lords of Flatbush, where I played this like 220-pound grease ball. <laughs> and, but the lead in it was movie star Handsome. His name was Perry King. He looked like Brad Pitt, cleft in the chin, blue eyes, blonde hair, as waspy and big, you know, truly handsome. So they go, oh, we could do something with that guy. And then he said, okay, we'll green light the movie. They think I'm the blonde with the blue eyes. And then when it finally dawned on them, I'm oh. the thug looking guy with the crooked mouth and the brown eyes. <laughs> it was too late. Seriously. They said, okay. We'll try it for five days. If we hate him, we're canceling the movie because they didn't want to make it. They were only making this literally as 
a second billing at a drive-in. This was never meant to be released. I couldn't believe it, but it's true. Wow. So I remember the first day on the set, I went, God, this is, this is it. Um, go for it, my friend. And I remember the day where I'm supposed to shake down. It's, it's the first scene on the docks where I go and I'm a loan shark collector. I go up to the guy, Hey, you know, you owe me $150. You can pay Mr. Gazza. He goes, I don't have it. I go, take my coat. I don't want your coat. Come on, come here, break my thumbs. They'll think it. I said, look, I won't break your thumbs. And you see that Rocky is like really a nice guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he can't even do anything well. And the studio went, you know, this my this is kind of interesting, you know, and that was the beginning. So I'm just a, a composite of errors that worked <laughs> oh out. That is that is a very humble statement. I have a question. When you sure. were done with Rocky, when did it happen? Like where you where it became Rocky? You know, like when was that moment where you knew? Wow. Everything I, had changed. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they they had a screening um at MGM and <laughs> they didn't tell me about it. So I got there like literally as the movie ended and I was standing there just looking at people coming up and Frank Sinatra. I went, Wow, he's oh, here. Oh my god. Damn. Goodness. And he and he started to go by me and he walked past and I remember he pulled out a camel. And I'll never get in a camel lighter. It like had a lighter for camels. <laughs> and he started tapping it, the cigarette on the lighter. He looked up. He goes, Hey, you're the wise guy in the film. You know what? You're not going to be in anyone's rear view mirror for long. Wow. Come on. You're not going to be in anyone's rear view mirror for long. Frank that was Sinatra. And Frank Sinatra for real. And then, a couple of years later, I met him, and I reminded him of that. Of course, he's like, who are you? <laughs> but, but at the moment, it seemed, I said, damn. And it just sort of happened. It was him and, and a couple of, like, Diana Shore. And then another person came out, uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony Hopkins. And I went, damn. Oh yeah, all these people. Wow. So that's when I realized something was happening. Yeah. Then, then about a week later, they had a screening at the writers, uh, director's guild, and everything went wrong. No one laughed. No one applauded. When the movie was over, everyone left. I went, "Holy, wow, this is really bad." And and I went into major depression. Oh wow! So as I was going down the escalator uh, to leave, and in complete silence. I mean, it was like pitiful. So. I look up and there's everyone waiting in the lobby. Like these are hardcore directors, you know, and you know, everyone, Hollywood runs on the three H's. You know, Hollywood hates happiness. That's it. Wow. That's a great one. It is. Hollywood hates happiness. And you know, you, you like, because if that guy succeeds, that means you might not. Right. So it's a really tough, tough, tough crowd, very clinical crowd. And when they were down there and they started applauding, I went, damn, I'm going to be able to buy a house. (laughs) I'm going to pay for food. I can get my dog back. I mean, all these things started to happen. And so it was when people ask me, like, how do you do it? I don't know, Randall. It's just a a, a confluence of so many different things happening that there is. There's no formula, as you know. Yeah. It's the things that you think will never work. 
if I tried to pitch Rocky today, let's say I was a nobody, that movie would never be made ever in a million years. It was the time. So it's a matter of timing. This the country at that time. I mean, every film I was up against, like all the president's men dealing with Watergate, taxi driver dealing with, you know, nihilism and politics, uh, bound for glory again, politics. And I'm going and then Rocky, a goofy guy who just wants to fall in love and be yeah. happy. That's it. it is a love. So, it is a yeah. love story. I mean, at, at its core and the underdog it succeeding. Is. Right. I mean, if you're looking at it's it. a love story and he happens to be a boxer and not a very good one. <laughs> he's he's a terrible fighter but he he really and i said like i never put it in the screenplay but i wanted to because i'm no great fighter i fight great fighters but ain't nothing great about me oh wow except i don't want to lose that's it that and that's basically how i've lived my life i'm not a great actor a great this or okay come on come on but no i'm serious i i I look at some of these actors and god that guy is incredible or look at that writing but there's another element too. There's a, a desire to get it across the finish line. To just, you know what I mean? Win. Right. It may not be pretty, but I just want to make it, you know, win. I just want to win. Right. And it's, it's, that's it's it. It's the heart. It's the heart behind what yeah. you do. And that's what makes you a legend. And oh, I don't know if you yeah. believe in things <laughs> like this, but, like you know, why you were you it was just in the stars for you. You were destined to make something great and be great. And that's that's how I feel about it. So thank you for sharing. Oh, yeah. well, thank you. Well, for all the other outcasts out there. <laughs> Come on. I, boy. I don't, want, don't. Yeah. All you little outcasts who think that, you know, you're different and you're weird because you are. You are different and you are weird. But that's what makes. That's what makes for really interesting adventures in your life because you're not the status quo. You're the outcast. And and I said, embrace your oddness. Really, I'm telling you, you don't want to fit in. You don't want to fit in. Oh, I love that. And by the way, I love that slide because I grew up obviously as an outcast. And I, I you know, as you know, I've, I've trailblazed yeah. my own path. I, I want to say, you know, people don't realize that to have one franchise in Hollywood is a dream. I mean, that that really, as a producer, a director, an actor, everybody wants a single franchise. You have Rocky, Rambo, Expendables, uh, an escape plan. I mean, you have multiple franchises. Do you do you recognize? I mean, I I know you know how hard it is to to be successful, but do you even know how hard it is to have four? I mean, nobody. Has that that he's I? He's like he's like yeah, dude. I know how hard it is. I, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> thanks, Lala. Thanks, thanks for that. I, you know, I tell you, Lala, you you've got the, uh, you know, if you can do a sequel, go, hmm, it's the third one. It's the third one. Is that really? That's the because you've lost the element of surprise. But what early on in my career, I go, why can that television show run for ten years? And you make an interesting character and actors go, well, that's it. I don't want to revisit that again. I go, but the character is still growing and the audience really likes it. Why would you stop? And they go, because it's not pure. It's it's uh, it's a money grab. I go, well, it's all those things, but it still can be really good entertainment. And the character is growing because the actor is growing and uh, so I earlier on, I've always I've always said, why 
I mean, if I see Rambo, like I was the 11th choice for Rambo. Nobody wanted to do the movie. Everyone in Hollywood who had any kind of notoriety said pass, including three different directors. I read Rambo and went, this is a no brainer. This is an interesting, all I have to do is change one thing. Rambo was a psychotic. And I go, you know what? Let's make the world psychotic. And he just wants to like fit in as opposed to being out. That's all I want to change. I said, in the, in the uh, novel guys, he kills everyone. He's crazy. And I go, why, why, why? If you just take that element out and he wants to fit in whole other character, whole other story. And I would do if <laughs> if my body would hold up, I would do him until Rambo literally turns into dust. Like, okay, Rambo twenty, the dust bowl. Oh my god. <laughs> dust. And that's it. It swirls away in a dust devil, and that's the end of it. Wait, so so I mean, but but Sly, so all these people passed on Rambo, which I had no idea. And again, another property that you saw something that nobody else saw. I mean, that's kind of the right. that's pretty epic. Real quick, real quick nostalgia. I said it before we had you on. You know, it's crazy the story of Sistine, one of your daughters, right. who, who worked on my first movie I directed. And I didn't, I was telling the audience the story that I didn't call you, which normally I, I call you for anything uh, Stallone right. related. And her agent had called me and and I was like, of course I'll, I'll see Sistine. I mean, the lineage is there. Let's see. And I watched her tape, and she crushed it. She's obviously an incredible talent. We cast her on the spot. And you, I don't think, knew till she was in Puerto Rico filming. Is that, or, or, or about to leave? About to that leave. is so, I was so shocked. That's when I called you. Is this true? Yeah. 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 I thought she had run away from home. Said, no, oh, that in is Puerto funny. Rico. I swear to you. So she doesn't want any help at all. So I was so taken aback that she actually did it on her own volition oh yeah nice wow and i and i gave her a lot of respect props i said to her i said you know i've not she said have you spoken to my dad i said i i've never not spoken to your dad no and and i said and when she got there she pretty much had finished or the day before she was about to shoot and then you called me and i was even more shocked and we were i think we were both shocked like you didn't know i didn't know we didn't know no we didn't know (laughs) i know and it's it really is hard for uh, kids that have, I guess you might say, have an, a step up or privileged background to feel as though they've actually done something on their own cognizance, you know, they're on their own watch. And um, thank you very much for recognizing that she she literally did it without any help from her father. No, no, so. 100, 100%. And there were three uh, girls up for that role, and I watched them all just on performance, and she crushed it, and she was fantastic on set she was fantastic took direction and and she just she's she's great she's obviously got it in her blood and she's gonna have a a, a big career so i thank you for that oh, thank Fly. You. Fly, thank are, you. before we yes. let go are are any of your other girls into acting or is it just uh Sistine? no actually uh scarlet has there's something about scarlet that is very drawn to the arts and it's something that i kind of dissuade i said you know this comes with an abundance of heartache you understand that and this is the most insecure profession there is because the product is you it's not a pair of shoes or a purse 
when you don't get it, it's you being rejected. So the one thing, if, if you have to have incredibly, incredibly thick skin, it's more important than having thick hair. Thick <laughs> skin. <laughs> That's amazing. So if, if you have that, you may persevere. Uh, Sophia is very, very um, erudite. She likes to read. She's this and that. So they're actually uh, doing a podcast together. Oh, wow. Justine and Scarlett. They're starting, I think, in a day or so. And it's called, are you ready? Yes, Unwaxed. tell us. Tell us. Unwaxed. Unwaxed. Oh, my God. That's fun. Unwaxed. You could t- <laughs> interpret that a lot of ways. <laughs> Surfboards or oneself. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Well, uh, that yeah. I can't wait to hear that. As soon as that's out, I'm sure I'll, I'll see the, the news. Oh, thank they, you. They're going to be great. And obviously, they, they're, they're going to have a... Uh, uh, an easy time getting guests, you know? I mean, I- well, I'm, I'm going to thank you. Listen, you two guys are doing a fantastic job. I know it's not easy. Well, we know each other personally. Yeah. So this, this is a, a, a wonderful treat because this came out of nowhere. So it's something that you've all developed and you you know, you. you are such a magnanimous and, and humorous and smart man. And Lala, you, my <laughs> God, is there anything you can't do here? Oh. There we go, Sly. There we go. That I is very that nice. Very nice, <laughs> My Sly. God. That, it's so serious. I mean, you ask the nice questions, but you have a certain um, aura about your show here that I, I see nothing but green lights and blue skies for you oh, guys. Dude, Sly. Oh, you're the best. We are oh so God. grateful to have you. Thank you, and thanks for being a great friend and colleague and guest. I, I love you, and I'm appreciative, and and we just can't say enough nice things. So. Well, thank you, and we're going to be working together real soon, as you know. Yes, we have an announcement we're soon on another movie that we're doing <laughs> together. So you bet. All right, thanks, Sly, and everybody. Thanks, all right, thank Sly. you guys. I'll Bye, see you love. later. Wow, Law. I'm. I so. I mean, I'm like shook it. I, I'm going to say something. I think that your fans will be happy because I think that's the first time I was quiet pretty much the entire episode i mean he by the way he deserves i mean my silence because he is just epic epic he is he is epic and every time you know i've had the pleasure of being around him in more intimate settings and it's you almost have to like take as you have an out-of-body experience like when you go through his life and that he wasn't given a chance, so he was like, fuck this, I'm writing my own script. Like he just like he did the work. They don't there aren't very many stars like him anymore. There's I, a lot of waiters. There's not a lot of people who who go for it. I wanna I wanna second that. I agree with you. And not only that, to hear that being an outcast makes you unique and special and drives success. I think a lot of us share that same kind of thing. You know, I was an outcast. You were an outcast. And I think that being an outcast as when you're young, we have to embrace that and say it's okay because that means we're creating our own path and our own way and we're not going to be a follower. And anyway, I was just – look, I've known Sly a long time and I felt like, wow, he really gave us his heart in this interview and I felt like he really shared with us things that he didn't have to share and vulnerability – to, so if people who are wanting to get in the business or wanting to start their own business, maybe they can take away from this interview that, you know, don't be afraid and, and just create your own path and be honorable to that. 
So I am, I'm, I'm so moved right now. I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful for having Sylvester Stallone. I also have to give you, before we let everyone go back to their real life, I also have to give you a lot of credit, Rand, because, you know, we, we have these guests on and they're very open with us and they share things that, you know, I think they, they otherwise wouldn't share if they didn't feel safe. And we, you and I have talked about this before. This podcast is not to, we always talk about spilling the tea, but I'm not here to break news. I'm not here to like make you feel uncomfortable. And hopefully a lot of articles are written about it. I just want people to show up and feel like they're in a safe place. And you bring guests on that you've really made incredible, um, friendships with them so they feel safe with you so I appreciate also that. give yourself some credit when when we have guests on that share like that they also are doing that because they feel safe with you no and i and, ho- and, I, I, and hopefully me too no, <laughs> no <laughs> but I, I first of all i appreciate that babe and and of course and i i know that they're they come on because there is a trust and a long history of a relationship but at the same time even coming on you know they make a decision, and you're right. I, obviously, I think because of our relationship, they open up more. But it is so kind to see somebody of his success sit on our podcast and say, hey, you know, this is what it was like. And I wasn't secure when I didn't have anything and blah, blah, blah. And honestly, I really hope our audience embraces these vulnerable, honest, authentic moments that we get with our guests because for me – Everything's about, you know what? Let's take it back a step. Everything's about relationship. You know, our podcast is built on our relationship. That's how it started. But it's also our relationships with everybody else, you know, with our friends, with our circle, with people we meet. And I I just am grateful to have you and to have this podcast and a platform for us to share and bring people in that are part of our lives. And Sly was an incredible guest today, and it was just perfect. Well. We are super corny today, super cheesy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm into it. I don't think there's going to be any comments in the comment section that say we bicker too much. No, because we are showing mad love to each we other. We are. First of, first of all, I want <laughs> and I want to say something because I don't read the comments, but you've told me if anybody says we bicker too much. First of all, we're in a relationship. What do you think? Second of all, I love you, babe, and you love me, and we know that. <laughs> and I just had to say it out loud. But I have a question for for producer Tim because he is like the movie guru. What is your takeaway from that podcast? Because you've been around Sly on our movies and stuff. Yeah, you know, I I was uh, struck by how inspirational he was, and and just you know making a point to speak to people with aspirations and dreams of getting into the. I mean, I I took his comments as much more broad than just the film industry, but you know, he did speak directly to those young people that are trying to catch a break but i agree with you i agree that it was much broader and i think that no matter what business you're in after this podcast you should be so inspired if you're trying to you know i don't know if you're whatever you're trying to start up a new company from scratch in your basement like this podcast should tell you go do it don't think about it don't over obsess don't obsess over it just do it and and that's the words i'm going to take away from today so lala any last words because i just i'm on such a high right now um, all I want to say is we just had motherfucking Sylvester Stallone on our podcast. Um, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, all right. Lock. All right. Go ahead, baby. Take us out. I'm going to take you out by reminding you that Give Them Lala Beauty has just relaunched. So go to GiveThemLala.com for all of your Lala goods. 
And we want to thank you so much for tuning in to the Give Them Lala with Randall podcast again. And we will catch you next week. Bye-bye. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.